1: And the host of this show. Peabody Award winning filmmaker Judith Helfand is best known for her ability to take on the dark and cynical worlds of chemical exposure, heedless corporate behavior, environmental injustice, and make them personal, resonant, and even entertaining. Three of her award-winning films had world premieres at Sundance, and all have been nationally broadcast on PBS, HBO, and the Sundance Channel, and linked to rigorous engagement. Her latest film in progress is Cooked, a feature documentary about the politics of disaster for which she was awarded a MacArthur grant. Judith is a creative director and co-founder of Chicken and Egg Pictures. And Carol, I know you're a big supporter of Judith and Chicken and Egg Pictures.
0: That's right, Claire, and I'm so happy to have you, Judith. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, I'm thrilled to be
2: here, and I I love the idea that you could put the word art in front of film funding um, and celebrate this very critical part of the filmmaking process, which is getting resources, and
0: we're really focused on getting resources to women. Absolutely right. It's it's an interesting thing that that this subject is not taught more in college, or it's not one of the major classes, because it is the major asset that you need to have. So uh, I thank you for that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really, we want to know more about your grants. Uh, and how to apply but first we really want to learn more about who you are your background and what inspired you to co-create chicken and egg pictures
2: um well i i'm um a documentary filmmaker and um i've been working in the field since um you know since actually since i'm since in my since my early 20s so i went to NYU specifically to study filmmaking documentary I knew that that was the right place for me because there was a great social change documentary maker named George Stoney and, um, all, 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 all signs were pointing that I needed to to work with this guy and learn from him. And in fact, that was really quite true. Um, and my, it's my first film out of college that I went from associate producing to, um, co-directing with George was a movie called the uprising at 34. Um, and concurrently with that, um, I wound up soon around the same time that I was working with him. I was diagnosed with cancer, which led me to turn the camera on myself and my family, and I started making a film called A Healthy Baby Girl. Um, and that film, A Healthy Baby Girl, led me to really start to investigate um, chemical exposure and the long-term impact of chemical exposure on ourselves and our lives and our relationships and our families um, and what's most precious about our life, which, oddly enough, led me to look at the outside of our house and the vinyl siding on the outside of my parents' house, which led me to make blue vinyl. And all along, I was able – I mean, from and from the get-go, you know, it was like as soon as you sort of have an idea – and you're working on a movie, or as soon as you have the idea, the big question is, how am I going to turn this idea into a film, and what do I need to do to do that? And, you know, along with the idea, you need resources. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that, you know, it becomes very, very clear while you're in film school, or whether you're not in film school, and while you're starting to conceive of your story and your ideas, it's like next to the idea is the question is how will I be able to make this work? Now, a long time ago when, you know, films, when it was, you know, when it was harder to have access to equipment um, and we couldn't actually, you know, we couldn't make images off our phone and we didn't have access to small digital equipment, those questions were even bigger. In fact, on some level, you know, that that that, that crazy chicken and egg question, you know, which comes first, You know the idea or the resources, or once you have the idea, can you can you really start to run with it, or do you need the resources to do it? You know, and do they have to go in tandem? Which comes first? You know, it's when I think back to it, those are so inextricably connected. So I was very fortunate in that um, when I had that I was able to, you know, work with people who really knew how to raise money and when it came time for me to be able to do that for my own projects, um, I was either able to do that or, in my own case, I was able to sort of green light my career with some money that I had gotten from a lawsuit um, against a pharmaceutical company, which was was part of the story in my DES film. Um, And I was incredibly lucky to be able to pursue stories that I deeply, deeply cared about, um, and green light myself, and are we having a big? Is there a problem with my phone? Oh, you're still
1: I'm on hearing, fine. Yes, I'm hearing you just fine.
2: Okay, cause I'm hearing some clicks. So okay. I, you know, one film led to another. Um, I went, you know, and I really sort of like dug my heels into the environmental world. And you know, as I as I went along, and I'm answering this question with the idea of sort of the art of film funding. I was cutting my teeth, both on storytelling, but on learning how to fund films. And there was always that question, you know, do do I find people who really care about this issue, or do I find people who really care about the form? Um, can I find people who really care about both? Do I find people who really want to make sure that women are making movies, or do I find people who really want to make sure that, that – that 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 women and children and families aren't exposed to toxic chemical exposure or who really care about corporate accountability or who really care about the toxic life cycle of uh you know of building materials, or you know do i do I go to people who are really you know interested in um you know new forms of filmmaking or people who really care about global warming, and so slowly I started to learn that in order to really make your films, um, you had to do both. You know, that you had to understand the issue, explore the issue, and see who was supporting grassroots organizations who were working on those issues, whether it was workers' rights or toxic chemical exposure or, you know, the health and safety of children, right? Like that you needed to be understand, you needed to understand the ecosystem of that issue and who was supporting that issue on the ground and who cared about it. And then you really also needed to be looking at the film funding world. Who's just funding film? Most of the time that isn't really the case. You know, and who is funding innovation? Who is funding gender-based work? Who cares about those things? And between, and like, you know, and where are the broadcasters in this mix? And what do they care about right now? What are they looking for? What kind of storytellers what kind of communities are they most invested in making sure stories are told about them? So when you start to put those pieces together, you start to see, okay, this is how I'm going to be able to make this movie. And, you know, when I started, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Kickstarter. There wasn't even, you know, the the Internet was incredibly new. Like all of the things that we now know are ways to do crowdfunding and apps and prog- and, and platforms that can help you do that we were doing that in a very analog fashion same concepts around audience building same concepts or concepts around working with funders um same concepts around you know being able to tell people who really care about the issue i know you don't fund film but since you care about this issue and the people on the ground need tools to be able to move the dial on that issue Let's think about this movie not as a movie, but as an opportunity to be able to spark important conversation and support and carry the work of the grassroots organizers you're supporting. All those things were in play. We didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have, like, the greatest tools to be able to do them. But that was sort of how I cut my teeth making one movie to another. And around the time that I was making Blue Vinyl, um, I was introduced... um, to um, a producer, um, an independent producer, um, who was also, um, you know, deeply um, engaged in um, the the world of philanthropy, and who was a, an absolute, you know, committed feminist, who was really, you know, putting a lot of her support behind um, women in the developing world and projects and efforts and organizations that were supporting um, women's rights um, in the developing world. And that was Julie Parker Bonello, And, um, I was introduced to her at a silent auction and I naturally, and it turned out that she was, she had just finished um, working on a film about her father, not about her father, but inspired by her father's battle with, um, particular cancer. And I had made a film about my experience with cancer and I was in the midst of making blue vinyl and, um, we talked all the way through a silent auction, and the next day I dropped off my movies. And within two days, she'd signed on to be a co-producer. And together with Dan Gold, we finished Blue Vinyl. And by the time we were finished with Blue Vinyl, um, and we were deep into the work of engagement, which we were doing with an organization called Working Films, which I helped co-found, which links filmmaking to grassroots organizing and really um, was one of the pioneers around this whole um, concept of, you know, what do you do when the lights come up? You know, that level of engagement, those ideas. Um, Julie and my – I was, you know, working with Working Films. Julie became a board member of Working Films. We were about to really launch the engagement campaign for Blue Vinyl. Um, Wendy Ettinger was on the board of Working Films, and – Together, we started to think about, you know, we have this amazing organization that is helping filmmakers link grass, you know, their, their films to grassroots organizing. But you know what? There isn't that organization that is focused on women and focused on helping women, you know, address the chicken and egg conundrum that so many of us are having, which is I have a great movie, but I can't finish it, I don't have the resources. I have a great idea, but I can't afford to make a fundraising trailer. Um, and I don't have that extra $15,000. You know, I'm I'm working in a day job. Like, I can't take that risk. I certainly can't take that risk with my own savings. What do I do? Or so many of us at the time would, you know, have a great trailer, um, and a lot of entities would say, that's really great, but come back to us when you have a rough cut. How do I get to a rough cut? I don't have those resources. So because we had our ears to the ground. You know, I was a, a, I was a working filmmaker who was spending as much time making movies as I was fundraising. Um, and now fundraising for engagement and now trying to balance the world of engagement, this early world of engagement, with my filmmaking practice. Um, you know, we kind of looked at each other and, you know, and Julie was was starting to support Films as well as doing this engagement. I Just moved to San Francisco. You know, Wendy, who was a producer, The War Room is one of the uh, the major films that she produced. Um, and 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 she was doing some of her own directing. She was also engaged in family philanthropy. Was also engaged in supporting a lot of the arts and 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 films. And she was on the board of Working Films. You know, and there's always that question. It's like. Well, if people come to you for support in a piecemeal fashion, do you support them? Do you not support them? Is this really helping to elevate the field, or is it just supporting one filmmaker at a time? Do you have the bandwidth to be able to support them? Do you want to get unsolicited p- proposals? So between the three of us, we really like were part of each kind of stepping, each, each piece of this I'm not going to call it a triangle, but we were—we all represented different pieces of the fundraising, producing, directing story. And when we put the pieces together and we thought about the chicken and egg conundrum that so many filmmakers were facing, and, and particularly women, certainly men do too, that's when we came up with Chicken and Egg Pictures, and um, that was in 2005.
0: Fantastic, well, tell us more about what chicken and egg does for filmmakers. Um, well, you know,
2: um early on, we decided from the from out of the gate or out of the fence, and we decided that we didn't want to just give money, but we wanted to marry giving money with providing strategic mentorship. And by mentorship, I mean creative mentorship, feedback on on cuts, feedback on producing, strategy. You know, really, you know, kind of offering strategic input and feedback and and, and creative support at, at 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 any step a filmmaker was at, with the goal of really helping them complete their movies. So early on, we started. You know, we were it was one or two films. Three, four. You know, we didn't start with an open call. It was, it, it, it was. Um, you know, we had our ear to the ground, and we were hearing about projects from filmmakers that we knew, and we really kind of wet our feet, got our feet wet, and and and, and really learned how to do this, um, and really kind of hone our our craft and our art of funding and using funding with mentorship, you know, one film at a time. But at a certain point, it was very clear to us that we never wanted this to just be kind of um, inside baseball. We didn't want this just to be, you know, our friends or people that we were connected to through the industry. We really wanted to make this a little more democratic. So we opened up, you know, an open call and started that process, um, I would say, around 2007, 2008. And since then... um, we've funded um at this you know i can say with great pride over about 170 films um and we've awarded 3.7 million dollars and around five around and around 5222 hours of mentorship so that's a lot of time a lot of movies um a lot of learning both for ourselves and for the filmmakers um and and, and different levels of of success, and but what I and what I mean by that is, you know, success can mean that someone leaves a mentorship session feeling incredible energy um, and excitement about going back into their cutting room and feeling like, okay, I know what to do. I'm I I I'm inspired, and that that thing that that terrified me, or that thing that. Really challenged me is is something that i am i really have you know i feel like I now have the skills and a and a new set of you know fresh fresh eyes and fresh thinking um and a, and a set of solutions that I learned from my peers that I learned from um an expert editor mentor that I learned from working with judith or or other producers or directors that we have brought in for mentorship. And um, and my colleagues Randy and Julie and 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 now our new colleagues because we've really evolved over the last couple of years. And I could go back into that cutting room and feel great about that. Or I could write that proposal with with much more strength and and insight um, and focus. Um, and so um, you know, ten years later, we 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 could say we've learned a great deal. Now, so our mentorship started. Uh, in a way that was like kind of one-on-one. And at a certain point we realized that so much of what we, re- we were offering on a one-on-one basis was exactly what lots of other filmmakers that we were supporting needed. And so we, we kind of came up with this motto that we like to call, um, that we like to say, um, you know, your idea, your problem is my problem. I just haven't had it yet. And and it was that concept. And and really, you know, the, the, our understanding of the the benefit and beauty of working in a workshop with your peers and mentors in a group setting and, and really learning from each other and really learning from, from practice. And when you just practice on your own film and you don't get to see basic kinds of um, craft ideas um, and strategies, um, and um, you know, and 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 solutions and models applied one after another after another to more than just your film, but to many films. It's really hard to actually see how to utilize it beyond your own problem. And because it takes a while to make a movie, it's an, an amazing, it's a general, it's a generous and extraordinary moment when in a workshop setting you get to see lots of different kinds of problems, lots of different kinds of storytelling problems, narrative problems, producing, you know, conundrums, fundraising issues. You kind of get to see them play out on many different, in different ways, in different stories, with a different set of characters, different set of filmmakers, and to be able to see the tools of the trade kind of applied and solutions applied again and again and again when it's not your problem. And so we started to realize that we couldn't just do our mentorship one on one and that's when we started to do this batch mentorship where we would design sessions that were timed to coincide with the needs of filmmakers that coincided with the industry calendar as we know it with film festival deadlines um with with um film funding deadlines um where we would kind of back people up based on their similar needs and try to create very and, and create innovative sessions that would serve everyone. Sometimes they serve them immediately. You know, I need to figure out how to do branding for my movie um because I'm about to go to the IFP and I need to figure out, you know, all the the core images that I'm gonna bring with me and I'm gonna share in a catalog and to the funder that I'm sitting across from at a table um, on my Facebook page, on my business card, ultimately on my poster, I need that. Or, you know, I'm trying to apply to Sundance. The deadline is September. Boy, if I had an editing workshop in August where I could, you know, work on a deadline and get to that workshop with my fine cut and then use that workshop and work with an extraordinary editor and with my peers, you know, and the staff at Chicken and Egg to kind of really dig down deep and look at that fine cut and make it the best it could be by the end of September when I apply to Sundance. So I'm applying with my best movie. Or I decide, you know what, I'm really not ready. I'm not going to apply. I need a few months to edit and I need to change things. You know, August seems like the right time. So over time, we created um, kind of a calendar for Chicken and Egg where we did certain workshops that you could count on, you know, editing workshops in in August, uh, an editing workshop, you know, in January or Feb- in, in February to really help people, you know, meet their benchmarks and their milestones um, and their calendar deadlines. You know, we do, you know, certain kinds of, you know, really special like branding workshops and trainings around film festival strategy and how to turn... How to think about and reconceive any festival as an A-list festival? If you apply, you know the needs of your narrative and the opportunities of your films, the opportunities that that your film holds, both in the narrative and its link to geography and place and and press opportunities. Now, these are things that over time we really have honed and are able to offer the filmmakers that we support um, and build community while we help them build their strengths um, and help them with their art and their craft um, of making a movie, as well as fundraising and
0: financing. This is marvelous. Can I ask, are your workshops online? I mean, can, can someone who wins a grant that is not in your area be part of the workshops uh, Well, online?
2: Actually, it's not really like that. I mean, the way that we have worked it to date is that, Our workshops are not public. They really are just – well, the workshops that we do for our grantees are closed workshops, and they are primarily just for our grantees. We have um, filmed some of those, and we've made, like, very small little podcasts. I guess – well, I can't call them podcasts, but, you know, we've edited them together so that we have some sessions. In general, we have made those resources available to our filmmakers who aren't able to attend the sessions. Um, or who are in need, you know, of that kind of work and, and, and thinking and creativity, um, you know, and we're in between sessions and so we share them with them. Um, so I can't really say that those are things that people can join us online. What we've strived to do, um, is where and when we can work with film festivals, um, and curate, um, public sessions and, um, public, you know, workshops or public panels, you know, where that are that we know um are kind of like based on the thinking and the work that we're doing in our workshops and through our mentorship we can and we do. And we've done that for years with Doc NYC, which takes place every November. Um and a lot of those sessions are actually, you know, there are links to, to, to those panels and the discussions that we've had, you know, some of which have been as you know, hands-on as you know, bringing um, a, a music composer and a sound editor, you know, in front of a live audience with a filmmaker who is at a point where they're actually starting to design and think about and conceive of their music and their sound editing and their edit and their sound design. And you know, we've done an hour and a half spotting session in front of a live audience. Um, but- but that's not that's you know we we kind of made the decision that um that we we would never be able to kind of you know be the kind of organization like women make movies that is able to make their workshops incredibly public you know perhaps that could happen in the future, but to date we've been you know matching our grant making with very strategic and specific mentorship for our grantees.
0: Fantastic. So, tell me more about your mentors. It sounded like you have you have an editor, a producer. Uh, well, um, they
2: they you know it has varied over the years, and um, you know it's it's nothing is kind of like set in stone. I mean, we we try to be very nimble um, and. And useful in 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 our ability to be able to respond to the specific needs of a filmmaker when they have it. And and again, where and when we can, we really kind of try to d- deliver that mentorship in, in in a group setting. So, um, some of the mentors that we've you know we've been working with you know are award-winning editors on the West Coast and and in the New York area who have been um, sort of editing mentors. In a laboratory fashion, right? I mean, usually in a in a, a one to three day kind of workshop where we're workshopping, you know, one movie after another, and and you know we've had Anat Cid, we've had Mary Manhart, um, we've, um, you know, we've had Sarah Gilman. Um, on the west coast, we've worked with Don Bernier, and we've worked with Ken Schneider, um, you know, up. Soon, you know, in the next few weeks, uh, actually at the end of May, we'll be doing um, a, a, whole, a week of workshops in New York for our filmmakers. And this time we'll be bringing in filmmakers from around the world because we support filmmakers um, globally as well as domestically here in the United States and in, and in Canada. Um, and the, the editors that we'll be having for those two days, one will be a non-CD and one will be um, um Oh my God! I uh, an extraordinary, extraordinary editor who actually was one of the Toby Shimon. Um and you know we're going to benefit from the wisdom of Julie Goldman, who is going to be you know giving kind of a lecture um, on and, and really an interactive, kind of hands on workshop with with a lot of filmmakers who are going to be there on you know what is. You know, a, a producer's a, a distribution from a producer's point of view, and really kind of like leading people to think about the producing traje- um distribution traje- trajectory from her point of view. In San Francisco, we're going to be working with um, a range of people, including, um, um, oh my God, um, Peter Broderick, who's a great, great thinker and who has wonderful things that people wonderful resources on his website. Um he's Paradigm Consulting. He's a great thinker about um really kind of linking sustainability and making a living with distribution and niche distribution. We have for many years worked with an extraordinary publicist named um Adam Siegel from the twenty fifty group. Um on mentoring our filmmakers on thinking about, again, really thinking about how to position them for themselves on the film festival circuit, how to think about a film festival strategy that is, that is really kind of based on geography, that is very much based on their engagement goals, that is very much based on um, finding very strategic audiences and really utilizing the launch and the premiere of a film on the festival circuit to amplify you know, their engagement goals and their goals for the film because the majority of the films that we support are social issue films. And the filmmakers that we've been supporting, you know, are passionate, committed artists and often activists on the issues that they really care about. And um, so, you know, our goal in working with a mentor like Adam Siegel has been to really help them think about how to leverage their press opportunities to really get the maximum exposure, both for their issue and for themselves as artists, which on some level is a way to think about getting press, you know, with a double bottom line.
0: Your mentors.
2: I could could go on and on, but I'm sure you have other questions.
0: No, they just sound incredible. Mm -hmm. I know Peter. uh, He is a donor to our grant, He's so generous with filmmakers; he gives us his time, his heart, his knowledge. I think he is a great asset for anyone making a film.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know everyone that we um that we bring that we bring in contact with the filmmakers we hope is going to be you know very specific, very strategic, added value um and we you know and we try to sort of offer. Those, film, you know, bring on mentors, and sometimes it might be, you know, it's not a long-term mentorship. Sometimes it's, you know, it's a session for four hours, but it's it's really there to help them think about, you know, very strategic ideas um, and how to apply that to their movie. Sometimes they're in crisis, and sometimes they're kind of like thinking about, you know, they're they're, it's, they're not, you know, they're not on that rapid crazy deadline. And they have an the opportunity to really think about, you know. How am I really casting my film? Who is this character? You know, and we, we've had sessions on, you know, um thinking like applying casting ideas and strategies for casting, which some people might use for fiction, for nonfiction. We've had sessions that look at um to the, the safety of our subjects and the and sort of what happens particularly on on human rights films when you know your when your 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 role as a filmmaker and your place in your subject's life and the very act of documenting their story you know on one level you know could elevate you know could could get them in trouble you know with we, you could, I mean, I'm putting trouble in quotes, right, could put them at some sort of risk or put them at some kind of, give them, you know, offer, create some kind of security risk and, for them. And at the same time, without you being there and without telling that story, you know, by telling that story, we are actually getting their back and perhaps we're, we are making them safer because the world will know about them. I mean, these are there's lots of issues that are you know that are that are always evolving because the subject matter is evolving because the role of the of the filmmaker as both an artist a journalist, and on some levels you know at an advocate as someone who's this trusted person who people talk to who is now like holding you know the heart and the story in their hands those that's all evolving you know with the digital world in which we live in and you know where and when we can, we have strived to be very supportive of that. And that's just to be able to tell you, like, we we our mentorship changes with the needs of the filmmakers.
0: Right. Well, um, tell us more about, about the grants you offer and what is the, happening for 2015, as much as you can, please.
2: Okay. Well, in terms of 2015, right now I would say we're, we're going to be opening up um, – our open call um, in June soon we'll be um announcing you know like that time um you know, and um you know soon we'll be announcing that we'll be announcing that shortly, so I mean I would encourage all your your listeners to be thinking about that um and um you know each each often we have a different we have a specific focus last year the focus was on women in honor of our 10 year anniversary. It was about women both behind the camera, which of course is what we've always done. We've always funded women directors. Um, but it was also about women being in front of the camera. I mean, and in terms of like women as subjects, women and girls as subjects. Um, and that was really, really interesting. I mean, on one level, I think I thought maybe it would be, it will be a smaller pool of projects. Um, And on another level, it wasn't at all. I mean, we had over 600 applications, um, and we were able to fund about 15 projects last year. Um, And this open call will also have a specific focus, and it will be for a specific level of filmmaker. Um, And, again, um, it's going to be announced soon, so I I can't really get into the details. Um, But sorry about that. But in the past, um, I, I would say... You know our films at times our open call has been literally open. it hasn't had a focus last year, like I said, it was women um on both sides of the camera and that we've had environmental focus we've had a focus on environmental films we've had a focus on films specifically about human rights um we never made a specific call for films about reproductive justice, but in two thousand. Um, in two thousand ten and eleven there's an incredible um you know, what some people referred to it as the war on women and it was this huge sort of onslaught of of very um of, of new kinds of laws um at the state level that were really challenging women's access to reproductive health um and to abortion. You know, at one state after another was really being pummeled by the right. And you know, women filmmakers, in the same way that activists around the country were responding, women filmmakers were responding as well. And we started to slowly see really interesting films being made about reproductive justice. So we funded After Tiller, and then we funded um, Young Lakota. And then we really started to see a very interesting um we, we felt like we started to see a very interesting um trend which was women really taking on the subject matter in very, very, very specific ways. So we funded um we funded a film called A Quiet Inquisition. And then we funded a film called no Mas, Mas, Baby, no Mas Babies. And then we funded a film which is now called Insanity and then we funded a film called Trapped, and we funded a film called Vessel. And this was, you know, slowly over the course of a few years until we'd actually funded a cohort of eight films about re- reproductive justice, which we call Real Reproductive Justice. And this idea of supporting a thematic cohort really came out of a very long term partnership that we had with Working Films and the Fledgling Fund, where we were doing joint residencies, which is another form of mentorship, for filmmakers who were all focused on very on specific topics, where we would bundle the the films and the filmmakers together and spend a week really drilling down on how those how each film in its own unique way, was able to address a different piece of a critical issue with the idea that in its aggregate, the group of films would be more powerful together than they might be apart, and that each individual filmmaker wouldn't necessarily feel the burden, especially if they were in the midst of production, of telling the whole story, but really to stay true to telling one specific story. So we did that with Working Films and um, the Fuzzling Fund on a a number of topics um, and saw really, really interesting results. Um, and saw it benefit filmmakers and saw this kind of this really extended form of group mentorship around an issue to be a very innovative and, I would say, artful way of funding. Um, and so, it, if people actually want to be able to see what I mean by this, they could go to this URL, which is slash rrj. Flash and they would see this collection of movies and right now, what we're involved in is a very specific sc- screening tour to medical schools across the country and we're it's actually a pilot medical it's a pilot tour to see what is it like to bring um all these different films one at a time to specific schools we're partnering with medical students for choice. Um, and bringing the filmmakers and some of the subjects from the movies um, to medical schools to talk with future health providers about this very, very critical issue of, you know, access to reproductive health and justice, but through
0: very, very, very specific stories. Um, Well, may I ask, are you helping with the funding of this outreach program? Oh, yeah. Well, we have,
2: yes, we have. I mean, we raise money to support this outreach program. I mean, each of the films is doing their own specific outreach as well, but what we've identified and are supporting right now is this medical school outreach. So in that situation, we've both given production money to each one of these movies or completion money, um, and we've funded some research to figure out a good place. And we funded research to figure out a good, like, the right place for us to be putting our energies. We funded some gatherings so that the filmmakers could get together with the leaders in the reproductive justice field so they could really understand, um, you know, where they should be putting their focus and how their movies could be incredibly useful and to really understand, you know, the, the... the 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 lay of the land and to understand what was going on in specific states and statewide organizing. We did one in the South. We did one around new technology to really think about, you know, new technology um, and, and 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 you know how could these filmmakers who are working on reproductive, re you know reproductive justice films perhaps be thinking about innovative ways of using technology and we settled for the moment on really focusing on bringing the films to medical schools. So but you know that's kind of the beauty of being a small nimble organization like ours. You know we um we are able to kind of see a trend and start to and and experiment and explore and in in at the same time that we're supporting the films and the filmmakers were also kind of exploring. Well, what happens when, you know, you gather filmmakers together, who by all, by all, by 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 everyone's, by, what the word I'm trying to look for, you know, by all, you know, anyway, you know, by anyone could, you know, easily say, oh my God, they're all focusing on trying to get the very same money. They're all competing for the same slots. They're competing for the same base and that film festival but all of these films would be out in the world anyway so to be able to actually bring the filmmakers and the films together and to think about joint strategies and to think about how they could actually collaborate and how collaboration is strategic and how collaboration can bring them to more audiences or bring more strategic audiences to them individually and as a collective that's You know, that's a way of thinking about how to maximize a foundation's support and a foundation's funding and to not think about the work as a series of one-offs, but to think about supporting a movement at the same time that you're supporting films and to think about great storytelling and great storytellers as movement builders and pieces of that, and that's something that Chicken and Egg is, is really commit has been committed to and continues to be committed to thinking about and to doing and doing in partnership with other organizations as we as we evolve.
0: How powerful that can be to put five groups five films together on the same subject.
2: Actually, uh, in this case, it was, it's eight films.
0: Incredible. Um, that will make a difference. That can that can inform and educate and sure. make... I'm sorry, I didn't
2: mean to cut you off.
0: No, I just think it is excellent. <laughs> well done, brilliant idea.
2: The, um, you know, the other thing is that, I mean, change takes a lot of time. And it's certainly not our It's an idea that we have evolved with Working Films and the Fledgling Fund, Um and it's an idea that will continue to evolve with us and with others i'm sure um you know but i think you know the 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 thinking behind it the kind of the theory for change behind that and i think all all foundations and all particularly film funders you you have to think about theories for change you have to think you can't just say gee i just want to fund those movies i mean you really need to think about who am I funding? When am I funding them? At what point in their trajectory? What's the most critical time for them in their trajectory as a filmmaker? Do they need support? You know, is it first timers? Is it veterans? Is it second timers? Is it shorts? Is it you know? Is it is it, um, is it is it is it is it the new world of interactive work? Is it? You know, making, is it funding strategic partnerships to make sure that women are at the table and their voices are elevated and, and, you know, and they are counted and their work is seen and heard and listened to and acted, you know, and, and as a result of that, change is happening. You know, those are all of the things that, you know, we have to think about and we brought on, we've, in the last, you know, years and a half, we brought on an extraordinary, um, new staff in the last couple of years um, you know we have really evolved chicken and egg has really evolved so initially it was the three co-founders then we brought on Natalie Difford who now works at CineReach who's just who's brilliant and worked with us for four years and really helped us you know hone and craft our early you know, open calls and so much of our very early work and it was a real privilege to work with her um and then um, Ayaba Boyd, who's our programs manager, came on board, and she's now been with us for two years. And as creative director, I work very, very, very closely with Ayabo to really craft, you know, um, our mentorship and um, and our focus and on delivering that mentorship. Um, and and then last year, you know, we brought on uh, an operations manager, Sarah Anderson. Um, an external relations manager, um, who you got to spend time with in, in putting this interview together, Brandon Cunningham, and our first ever um, executive director, uh, Jenny Wolfson, and it's a real it's 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 with these new minds and these um, with all of this 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 really you know fresh exciting talent. We 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 are really kind of being we're able to evolve chicken and egg and I really believe um, and you'll see and you'll hear over the next year on our you know as you know what our what our next three or five years will be like or our next decade because we've really learned a lot from the last decade and I think that that's it's so interesting because we 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 were founded in 2005 and so many other foundations were started in 2005 the fledgling fund Cinder reach um the Brick doc foundation i mean so um i think doc n y c started soon after that i mean a lot of um i i mean there's there's i mean so many of but so many you know foundations that didn't exist before exist now, and you know the art of funding means that you is really about the art of collaboration. And it's really about um, film funders, you know, film funders, both the foundations and even those who are really working um, on the profit side and on the investment side, you know, like Impact Partners, who also started soon after 2005. You know, all of us are part of an ecosystem. And, um, you know, when we work in concert together along with Sundance and along with the Ford Foundation – and along with the affinity groups that are really focused on, you know, funding film and media, in which there are, you know, a few that are are core. Um, Actually, there's one that is really core. Um, When we are able to do that together, we make – when we really hone and craft our own art um, and our thinking and our strategies individually and then together, we make – the ecosystem is a stronger place for filmmakers to be able to get support. And I, I really feel like that's happening.
0: Yes. Yeah. It certainly sounds like it. It's excellent. Well, now we're we're running out of time, so I want to get into specifics about your grants. What are you looking for? What are the requirements?
2: Well, in general, um, we're always looking for stellar storytelling. We're looking for for filmmakers that are as committed to the art and craft of storytelling as they are to the social issues um, and the critical issues and the issues of the time that they are exploring on screen. Um, that doesn't mean to say that we are not looking for films that are hybrids or that experiment or, you know, that are that are exploring and telling stories that are not, you know, that are not human rights. I mean, because we have, you know, we've done that, um, and we'll continue to do that. But but for the most part, I mean, if you would go to our website and you kind of like look at the films that we have funded um, over the last decade, you know, they are films that are exploring the issues of our time in a way that is artful, that really shows a filmmaker's unique voice, that shows a very unique kind of point of view and unique access That that um, that is about that that really is that that's you know we are choosing films that are very much um, in that are filmmaker driven in that that filmmaker we really feel like that filmmaker needs to make that film and this world will be you know, a better, um, potentially it's sort of like a better place because that specific filmmaker made that film. We're also really interested in diversity. Um, and and that is something that, that we've been committed to and we will be, we are going to be even more committed to um, in the next year and the next years. And by diversity, you know, we're looking at everything from race to class to geography, um, here in the United States, filmmakers that are not just from New York and San Francisco, where there are big communities and there's a lot of support, but filmmakers that you know are from other parts of the United States who have access to important stories um, and who who really needs critical support. You know, we're really um, we're interested in we're interested in all those things, um, and you know, and we are interested in. Supporting you know new and innovative kinds of filmmaking. So you know in the future I know you know we have in the past been supporters of shorts, and I'm I I think that that's going to happen. You know in in the future we are going to be you know more open to um, exploring new forms, um, not just feature documentaries, um, and really ex- ex- exploring you know what what do we need to do to be able to help people. Um, have more access and have more sustainable careers. So, I like I said, I we have not announced this new open call yet, but we will, and very soon in the next few weeks, um, and it'll be there'll be much more specific, much more specific language about the, you know who will be looking for and funding um, in the end of two thousand fifteen.
1: Those are very, very important goals that you are
0: working on. Wouldn't
1: you agree, Carol?
0: Yes, I think this is brilliant. I just uh, would like you to tell our audience how they can reach you.
2: Well, the best way to reach Chicken and Egg is um, at www.chickeneggpics.org. Um, We, If they do info at chickeneggpicks.org um with any kind of specific questions um we can answer them um we obviously have a uh, we have a phone number um but i would encourage them you know i i i really think that you know very soon any any questions that people have around how to apply for a grant will It will be very clear how and when to do that. I wish I could just tell you the date that the open call is right now and tell you that it is thoroughly open and there are no specifics, but it's not. There will will be a very specific call this year. Um, But we are constantly trying to put resources up on our website. We have an active blog and we certainly have an active Facebook page. And those are both places where you could see um, our work, and I, I take it to heart what you said, which was can people um, access some of those past workshops, um, because and I'm going to check in with Yabo and see if we could make some of those resources a little more public on our site so people can can utilize
0: those Oh thank you so much i I have to say that I hear such loving caring com comments about you. you have done so much for the industry and you have many people who really love you and the organization so job well done Judith. thank you and i'm i I'm looking
2: at all the questions that we had wanted to cover, and I know that there's some that we didn't, so um we'll have to find other ways um to cover those questions, but I hope what I was able to offer you was useful. And I, I really, I really love the idea, the art of funding. It is, it is an art forum, and it's very, it's a very um, privileged place, particularly if you're a working filmmaker, to be able to take your skills as a working filmmaker and your insight and your knowledge, and to be able to um, apply it to, to the field. And to be able to turn around and be supportive of your colleagues. There's really nothing more more wonderful and more complicated. It's complicated, I will say that. It can be very complicated. Um <laughs> but it's it's a huge it's been a huge, huge, huge privilege, um, for me, um, to take and I know for Julie and for Wendy and for everyone at Chicken and Egg Pictures, um, it's a huge privilege to be able to work with passionate women filmmakers who have the I like to call it the have to gene. They have to make this movie. Um and I hope as you know, I, I hope that we're able to support more women, more diverse voices, unique stories that we and, and unique filmmakers that we've not heard from in the past. I, I I and filmmakers I hope that we'll be able to I know that we will be able to continue to support them. Um, in unique ways, and um, and I really have, been, I'm very optimistic about the field at large, and I feel like the, the 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 art right now in funding is to do it collaboratively, and to really think about what are all the hurdles in front of filmmakers, and how can we remove them, and create systems that are really supportive of the art and the craft of filmmaking, and I think that's happening. Oh, how
0: Thank you so much for joining us, and we we hope you'll come back again later in the year. Okay. Yes. Thank you. If it's not me, it'll be
2: one of my colleagues. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Nguyen. All right. Thank you. Great success
0: to
1: you. Thank you. Take good care. Keep giving
2: that money, Carol Dean. It's wonderful. Okay. (laughs) You're (laughs) very welcome. Okay. All
0: right. Great. Uh, Bye-bye. Be well,
1: everyone. Thank you, Carol. Thanks. and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com.